Hey everyone, and welcome to the Masters Athlete Podcast. I am your host, Rob Arnold, and I've spent the last 20 years in the exercise physiology field as a strength coach, personal trainer, wellness manager, health coach, and writer. Each week, I will bring you the latest research on injury prevention, strength and conditioning, nutrition, event preparation, and overall exercise physiology to the over 40 crowd of weekend warriors, seasoned triathletes, stay-at-home parents, and CrossFit athletes. Now, let's get on with this week's show. Hello, friends and Masters Athletes, and welcome back to the Masters Athlete Podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining me again this week and for making sure that last week's episode on uh, should Masters Athletes participate in Olympic lifts and power lifts I want to thank you for uh, having that be my most listened to episode to date. It seems that there's a lot of uh, conflicting evidence and conflicting opinions as to whether or not a master's athlete should participate in powerlifting and or Olympic lifting. So we're going to have a part two today. On that, we're gonna we're gonna break it down a little bit even further today, and it may even carry over to next week. There seems to be definitely a lot of interest regarding the use of powerlifting and Olympic lifts, and there's a there's a lot of folks out there that are very dogmatic with it. And something that I I try to do is do away with any dogma with my training. And uh, I've always told clients of mine in the past that if you run across a personal trainer or a strength coach or any kind of coach for that matter that says that their way is the highway and that their way is the only way to run as far as as far away as possible and as fast as possible. And so that's that's kind of where we're going with this. This is kind of a discussion and based off of some of the discussion I had last week both via email and through social media they, this is uh, definitely a, a subject where people have a lot of dogmatic views on it. So anyway, before we get started on that, I want to, again, reintroduce my sponsor of Simply Faster. Then, and this podcast is sponsored by Simply Faster, who's the leader in sports technology for athletes. Simply Faster has the world's best solutions for speed, power, endurance, rehabilitation, and recovery. They're perfect for the master's athlete in that they distribute the K-Box flywheel system, free lap timing, gym aware, and electrical muscle stimulators stimulators to help get ahead of the competition. To get yourself started, visit simplyfaster.com today. All right, so let's dive right into it. I spoke a little bit a second ago just about, you know, pragmat or I'm sorry, dogma and how there's a lot of folks that weigh in on this that are very, you know, you have to have, you know, two times your body weight squat, uh, one time or one and a half time bench press and all this stuff. And, and I like to look at it more in views of being, uh, being pragmatic with it. And it, it's funny because it was very timing, very good timing that this week Simply Faster, the sponsor of this podcast, had a great article on their website uh, on pragmatism, and I highly recommend you go out and read it. It was a fantastic article that basically affirmed a lot of what uh, my beliefs are regarding questioning everything. So pragmatism is essentially evaluating the beliefs 
in terms of success and practical application. And how I interpret that is, is that you question everything. You question it in terms of, does it work? Does, is it successful? If so, keep doing it. If it's not, move on quickly to something else. Okay, so I like to question everything, and I want to know why everything is out there. Why, why is this training philosophy out there? Why is this coach teaching a squat that way? Why is this coach doing this that way? And I think that a common misconception from last week's episode is that, that I wasn't advocating the use of strength training for master's athletes. And that's definitely not the case. I am the biggest proponent of the use of strength training. Uh, obviously, strong muscles move faster, move, move longer than weak muscles. That's, a, that's obvious. So whatever your sport is, whether it's sprinting or endurance, uh, running, cycling, swimming, whatever, whether you're uh, a decathlete or a triathlete, Stronger muscles obviously move faster and move better than weak muscles. We know this. But the point that I'm trying to make is that there's a, there, there's a limit to how strong you need to be for a given sport. So, for instance, how strong does my deadlift need to be if I am a cyclist? Do I need a 500-pound deadlift or a 400-pound deadlift or even a 300-pound deadlift for that matter? Is it necessary to do a 300-pound deadlift if, I am, if I'm a swimmer if, or if I'm training for the Ironman? Or since it's an Ironman, since it's an endurance exercise, an endurance event, how about I should be able to do my body weight on a deadlift, say, 20, 25 times and have that part of a workout? Or do something of, relatively speaking, my own body weight for whatever the volume should be for that sport. Okay, like I said, 20, 25 times. But then you run into the issue of, does a land exercise, and I'm talking in terms of swimming here, does performing resistance exercises on land translate to what you're doing in a swimming pool? I argue no. Because it's a completely different resistance that you're countering, that you're moving up against inside of a swimming pool. Same with a bike. Does what you're doing in the weight room translate to be to performing better on a bicycle? And the resistance against the road and the wind on a bicycle. Uh, again, I argue no. Does what you do in a weight room? Con, uh, does what you do in a weight room transfer directly to the track on a, for a sprinter? Maybe. It depends on what exercise. So the bottom line is transference of sports-specific movements, and that's a big thing in the, in, in the training world these days, is sports specificity. Training, transference of sports-specific movements rarely equa- equate to better performance. Again, ex, you know, uh, external weights above ground really don't transfer to what you're doing inside of, of a swimming pool. So we want to be more economical in our movements. We want to train our breathing better. But if I, if I deadlift 400 pounds and my competitor only deadlifts 250, am I, does that mean I'm going to be a better swimmer? Not necessarily. And one important thing for us to always remember that we're talking about on this podcast is that 
All of this is geared towards the master's athlete, meaning I am not focused on what what little Jeffrey is doing in his high school weight room. I am focused on what CEO Jeff at 55 years old is doing. And what types of injuries has CEO Jeff had in his past that might prevent him from doing a a power clean or doing a deadlift or doing a clean and snatch or squatting down, you know, below parallel? Uh, what does does Jeff have a uh, anterior pelvic tilt that prevents him from squatting too low? Does he have previous shoulder rotator cuff exercises or a nagging elbow uh, problem that prevents him from pulling, uh, performing pulling exercises to the best of his ability? And in not being able to perform pull-ups or cleans, is that going to prevent him from becoming the best Ironman athlete possible? Again, I say no. So for Jeff, 55-year-old CEO with elbow issues, and he wants to prepare and train for the Ironman, am I going to tell him that he absolutely needs to do pull-ups and power cleans? No. Why in the world would I tell him to do that? Why would I tell him that, that the only way to get better is by performing uh, Olympic lifts? That's just not relevant for him because he's got elbow issues and his ultimate goal is to make the uh, is to finish the Ironman. So why would I have him do any exercise that, exercises that would jeopardize that? So no way. So again, our, the, the, the primary focus here is the master's athlete, somebody over 30, 40, 50. And as we age, as we get over 30, our aerobic capacity generally decreases anywhere from 6 to 12% every decade. And as we age over 30, generally the, our anaerobic compa- capacity, our power uh, without oxygen, anaerobic without oxygen, our anaerobic capacity decreases about 6 to 8% per decade. So you can see that we just have some issues built within ourselves that are going to diminish uh, and decline as we get older. So our aerobic capacity, our anaerobic capacity. So again, that is the argument for strength training. Again, I'm never arguing that we should not be doing strength training. It's uh, What I'm arguing is that do we need to incorporate Olympic lifts and power lifts into our program, okay? So what we need to do is as we get older, as we know that our aerobic and our anaerobic capacity is going to decrease, one, we need to incorporate more exercises to, at the worst, maintain our aerobic and anaerobic capacities. And two, we need to lower our expectations of what, a gain, of what our gains and what our performances is going to look like. A prime example, myself, when I was 20, 25 years old in the military, it was not a problem at all for me to get under the deadlift or get on the deadlift or under a bench press or under a squat rack and have some pretty big gains. And then I'd walk away from the rack maybe from a month. I would do some detraining or or deloading, I should say, go back to it and pick up right where I left off. Can I do that now at 43, almost 44? No, no. If I if I stepped away from 
push-ups, your basic push-ups. If I stepped away from push-ups for a month and let's say I was doing or I could do 75 in a row, if I stepped away for a month, I'm probably going to only be able to do 40, 45, and I got to build myself back up to that. It's not the same. So our capacities have gone down and and our expectations on gains and performance need to lower as well, which is, again, the advocacy for strength training in, in all of this process so that we can maintain what we have. And that's consistent strength training. So as we age, our focus should be on a, on a number of things. So motor control, we need to do specific motor control exercises. We need to focus on general movements. Specificity of movements really don't pertain to the amateur masters athlete. It just doesn't. Okay. We need to focus on injury prevention. This is the big one. This is what's going to keep us out of competition more often than not. Again, this this last this past summer, what six seven weeks ago, I did that Masters Track event up in Ames, Iowa, and I didn't perform the best of my ability because of my foot and heel issues. There were plenty of other guys there. Same thing. There was a guy dealing with cancer. They didn't perform to the best of their ability, obviously. But and so injuries is what's going to prevent us from doing what we want to do. So the, that to me, if I could, if I could focus on one thing overall as for the master's athlete, it'd be injury prevention. Take your time to do your mobility stability exercises and your soft tissue work and focus on injury prevention and knowing your own limitations. Okay. When, especially when it comes to strength training, remember you are not 25 years old anymore. Don't expect that you can just run into the weight room and start power cleaning the same weights that you were doing at 25 when you're 45. It's just not going to happen. You're going to, you're going to mess yourself up and you're going to get injured. Okay. So injury prevention, Another focus should be adequate recovery, and this goes along with injury prevention. So what's involved with recovery? Hydration, nutrition, stress management, sleep management, taking a couple of days off when you need to. It's okay. You don't have to train every single day, okay? You you were able to get away with, with doing that when you were younger, but you don't need to go balls to the wall and super hardcore every single day. You know, the whole, you know, rising grind, I, I hate that. So it's okay to take a day off. Adequate recovery, okay? Sleep, stress management, hydration, nutrition. Take your time to take care of all those things and you'll be okay. Another one is breathing exercises. Teach your body how to breathe again. I know that breathing is inherent with us and just regular old breathing. But if you're training for an Ironman or if you're training for a track event or even just a 5K run, being economical with your breathing is going to be exponentially more beneficial than how good your power clean is going to be. Okay, if you've if you've trained your body on how to breathe properly, how to use its diaphragm and not to, not just your your chest accessory muscles, if you've trained your body how to breathe properly, that you're going to be so much more happier with your performance than if you went out and did a 300 pound power clean. Okay, 
It's just there. It's it, the more economical we are with our breathing, the better off we're always going to be. And lastly, and I spoke briefly on this a second ago, soft tissue mobility work, um, making sure that our we don't have any fascial adhesions, making sure that you know we get deep trigger massages, make sure that we we stimulate the blood flow blood flow through soft tissue mobility work. Take care of our, our soft tissues to prevent any kind of uh, or any further muscular damage that we've incurred over the years. Our muscles are damaged from all the stuff that we've tried to do and all the events that we thought that we could do. So we need to focus on repairing soft tissue as much as possible, getting as much mobility as we can in our soft tissues, and um, getting as much stability as we can in our joints. And once we do that, we're going to be perfectly fine. Again, the breathing and the recovery and soft tissue work, I, I would focus on that much more than how perfect somebody's power clean is, okay? So in terms of uh, your Olympic lifts and your power lifts, there are a few general recommendations out there from some of the more popular strength coaches you know, Dan John, uh, somebody I, I reference a lot, somebody I read a lot with. He's He's been in the field for decades now, and he's got some, some basic uh, recommendations on what you should do as far as your bench, squat, deadlift. For men, you should be able to do your body weight bench. Um, you should be able to do body weight squat, uh, 150 pounds or 150% of your body weight on deadlift, uh, you should be able to do eight to ten pull-ups, body weight on your farmer carry, which would be um, half your body weight in each hand. He's a. In case you don't know Dan John or who he is, I highly recommend you read up on read up on him. And he's a huge advocate of farmer carry. And personally, as a side note, it's something that I've incorporated into my workouts over the last probably two years just simply because uh, I've been looking for things to improve my shoulder health. And for the love of God, farmer carries are like a godsend to me. So do incorporate farmer carries into your, into your program, do them every, every time you go out there, you don't, you don't need a lot of weight. You don't need a ton of weight, but um, as far as standards go, Dan John kind of, he recommends being able to do your body weight with a farmer carry for men. That is for women, he recommends body weight bench press, three pull-ups, 135-pound uh, squat times five, 275-pound deadlift, and 85 pounds for uh, farmer carry. Are these set in stone for a master's athlete to go out there and perform in an Ironman or go out there and run a 100-meter dash? No, they're not. But are they general recommendations for what he sees as, as uh, good s- strength performances? Sure. Jim Jones is another one, and this Jim is G-Y-M, as in gym, gymnastics, whatever. Jim Jones is, a, is another really good recommendation that I've seen out there uh, where it's uh, for males, and this is for strength endurance. So again, and I, and I speak a lot of endurance simply because as we age, m- most of us transition into endurance events. Um, I myself still love the sprints, still love the power events. But as, as, a, as a general uh, rule of thumb, as we age, we get more and more involved into, into endurance events. So that's where I'm speaking here. 
So we're, with Jim Jones, he, they, they talk about uh, strength endurance. The male should be able to deadlift 20, 225 pounds 25 times. Female, 185 pounds 10 times. Squat, 20 times your body weight. Push or uh, pull-ups, 15 for male, 3 for female. And that's it. So those are strength standards there. There's, you could fish around the internet for all kinds of other strength standards. And there's a lot of them out there. But again, what is required of you to perform your best when you're doing a 100-meter dash, a 400-meter dash, a mile, a 5K, a marathon? Yes, they're all completely different needs for all of those events, which is why it need, what you do in the weight room needs to be specific towards that event, okay? So if, if I, don't, I just don't feel the need to say, okay, my, my endurance athlete for a 5K or for a marathon needs to do power cleans. I'm not comfortable in saying that, okay? Um, so w- when it comes to running, we know, and cycling for that matter, we know running and cycling are very hip-dominant with uh, hip flexor, hip extension, motor recruitment. Running especially, you get a lot of psoas involvement along with hamstrings and hip fle- or hip extensors like your glutes. So we want to incorporate exercises that involve those things. So again, I, I just don't see the need for myself to incorporate a bench press for that. Is a bench press going to help me? No, no, not at all. So or is a is a is a snatch going to help me? Eh, not really, not really. Um, so th- that's that's kind of where I'm going with all this. Is I want to incorporate exercises that are that are going to help me as fast as pops possible and be ec- as economical as possible. Again, we're masters athletes. We're masters athletes, and time is often a constraint for us. So what do I want to do? What kind of exercises do I want to do to get the most bang for my buck with the time that I have? So when it, again, when it comes to strength training, as we age, our maximal voluntary contraction goes down, which essentially equates to a decrease in power. So our strength training program, so when, when we design a program for whatever event we're doing, it's obvious that we need to incorporate strength training into it. Okay. What kind of strength training? That's really up to you and your trainer, your coach, but there absolutely needs to be strength training involved with it. So let's take running, for instance. If I'm a runner, as a master's athlete, we generally have increased ground contact time when we run. So when you were 20 years old, and let's say you're a sprinter, or even a 5K, your ground contact time is going to be a whole lot less than what it is when you are 40, 50, 60. And that's the crowd I'm speaking to here. So as a master's runner, you're going to have greater ground contact time than you did when you were younger. This translates to a slower time. We know this. Greater ground contact time translates to a slower time. Now, one thing that you can do for this to, inc- to improve on your ground contact time is to increase your ankle plantar flexion power. Okay, I'll say that again. A way to improve your ground contact time is to, de- is to 
improve your ankle plantar flexion power. How do you think that you can improve your ankle plantar flexion power? Plyometrics. Jump ropes. So you do some jump rope, you do some plyometrics, and that's going to improve the ankle strength that you have. Okay. Now, here's yet another thing, injury prevention in master's athletes. You tell me a 50-year-old master's athlete that's never sprained their ankle, okay? I guarantee you that out there, almost every one of you, almost every one of you listening to this podcast has sprained your ankle. That right there is going to limit your plantar flexion power, okay? Because you've got scar tissue, you've got bones where they might not, might not be or where they should be. Uh, I know a, a year and a half ago, I went through a devastating ankle injury, and it was horrible. I couldn't, I, I was in a boot for quite a while. I couldn't run for over six months. And that was, that was devastating for me. And, and I'm, I'm, to this day, I'm still doing ankle exercises to improve the, the strength and power in that ankle. And I still don't have proper plantar flexion, okay? I still don't have it at all, nor dorsiflexion. So, Again, and so as master's athletes, our ground contact time is increased, which is indicative of decreased ankle plantar flexion power. It's also indicative of decreased muscular output at the hip. So what are some exercises of the hip? Sure, deadlift. There's, that's where the, 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 the Olympic lift or the powerlifting folks come into play. Ah, deadlift, squat, do them, do them, do them. Yes, I agree. But what if I don't? What if I got elbow issues or shoulder issues? They can't hold the bar on my shoulders. Okay, can I do hex bar deadlifts? Sure. Or hex bar squat jumps? Sure. Can I do lunges? Sure. Can I do um, single leg single leg squats in a TRX strap? Absolutely. So there's all kinds of options out there to get you to where you need to go. So do again, the question remains, do I need to incorporate Olympic lifts and power lifts? No. Are they helpful? Yes. Are they helpful exponentially? And if I, if I deadlift 500 pounds, that's going to help me more than someone that deadlifts 250 pounds in a 100-meter dash? Maybe. Maybe. But if I have ankle issues and hip mobility issues, while still deadlifting 500 pounds, and that guy I'm running against in the 100-meter dash has great ankle plantar flexion power along with incredible hip mobility and strength, he's going to smoke me every time, okay? So all that says is that there are, there are limitations to Olympic lifts and power lifts. Should you incorporate them into your, into your program? Sure, maybe. Do you need to be religious by them? And do they need to be dogmatic as far as being able to squat two times your body weight? Maybe. But that's up to you. That's up to your performance. You do what's best for your own performance. You do what's best to, to what improves your performance to get you to your goal. And if deadlifting 500 pounds does it, eh, okay. If power cleaning does it, eh, okay. But I, I can guarantee you that if you swapped out back squat and power cleaning and snatches for hex bar squat jumps, single leg squats on a TRX, goblet squats, farmer carries, 
I guarantee if you swap those out, your performance is not going to decline. Your performance may even improve. Okay? So be open-minded to it. Don't think that just because you learned something in high school that that's how you have to do it now. Be open-minded that there are other ways to skin a cat. Be open-minded that the way that you've been training might not be the best way. Okay? That's all I'm saying here. That's all. And again, so with that, I welcome you. I welcome your feedback. Please give it to me. I love engaging in open thought. I love engaging with different ideas. And if people got uh, some, some thoughts out there, please hit me up on Facebook, on Masters Athlete Podcast uh, page on Facebook. Send me an email. I've got a few this past week. Send me an email to mastersathletepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, shoot me, look for me on Instagram at uh, rbarnold2626. So anyway, I love the discussion and I'm, I'm going to look, for, look forward to having some other coaches on in the future to further this discussion. So if you have thoughts, please hit me up on any of those social media platforms. And again, go to simplyfaster.com for the latest products to help get you moving in the right direction. Uh, non-Olympic lifts, non-power uh, lifting. They, they have a wealth of products on their website along with a wealth of knowledge on their blog. So check them out, and I look forward to hearing from you soon.